0: Wow, wasn't that fun? Man, it was such a great week here with best week ever. And if you volunteered, just want to say thank you so much for uh, giving up your time. And uh, with a lot of uh, parents volunteering and grandparents and... Even my parents were volunteering, so it was, it was so much fun and uh, loved seeing. It's so great to pour in to, uh, to our kids and their future, amen, and so, uh, so, so excited about that. Welcome to those that are joining us online as well. I know we've got a lot of our church family that are on vacation and traveling, and so glad that you have logged in for church today, and we miss you. We love you. Can't wait to uh, see you soon. If this is your first time joining us online or joining us today, we're just honored that you would be with us on your Sunday. Hey, I wanted to just take a quick moment to highlight. I got an email this week from uh, Judy, who oversees our one mission, our missions work in uh, Mexico and uh, in India and Lebanon, and she sent me an email of a family that received their home. And so if we could put that photo up really quick. And uh, this is a family that got their new house this week in Mexico. Mexico. <clears throat> and uh, you might say, well, why is it so important? Is um, your giving, your generosity, and also for some of you, um, you going out and building, different churches come in, we all have parts of, to play in building these houses, but that is, that's your generosity, and I just want you to know that it's an honor to pastor a church that is so giving, and so thank you for partnering up with us with your time, your energy, and, and even your uh, finances are in so into, these are the things that we get to do is to bless uh, families like that, so, uh, so good to be with you. Well, we're going to kick off a new series, uh, and I uh, told you a week ago, it's called Attitudes It's a choice. And so this is going to be a fun series. It's one of those you're going to fasten your seatbelts. And so uh, it's going to stretch you a little bit. It's going to stretch me. Uh, It's going to stretch all of us because we all struggle sometimes with attitude, right? Am I the only one? We all go home because you're all so spiritual, you know? We all struggle with it. And so we're going to jump into today talking about attitude is a choice, uh, we're going to jump into what does Jesus say about attitudes, and then we're going to jump into uh, talking about things that could really kill uh, the right attitude in us that God wants for us. But, you know, I was thinking about attitudes today and my own life uh, when it comes to attitudes, and there, there's certain things that sometimes stir an attitude in me, and uh, I just have to like go to God with it and, you know, and, and, and repent, and, you know, uh, traffic's one of them. You know, I, I do not do good in traffic. Now, I know there's some of you, you love traffic, you pray for the person in front of you, and you bless them, and you worship Jesus, and you do audio books and listen to sermons. Me, no ways, man. I, I, like, I, it's hard for me to be in traffic. I'm so happy I live 10 minutes away from the church. I don't have to deal with traffic. The Lord knew, and so he put me close to the church. Amen. <laughs> That's why sometimes I, I, I don't put a church sticker on my car. Some of you are like, oh my gosh! I forgot I have the church sticker on my car. Yeah, slow down, please. Okay, <laughs> give our church a good name. Amen. So, but there's other things that stir up an attitude. You know, when it comes to flying, I, I get to travel quite a bit, and uh, you know, one thing that's really hard when you're traveling is people that take uh, oversized carry-on luggage. <laughs> you know, it's like they have that little thing you're supposed to put your hand luggage in, and but yours is like takes two of those. You know, and so I see people coming and it's like they got, especially to have one carry-on, they got two carry-ons because then I'm like, man, this is going to take forever for us to leave and everybody's trying to jam in their stuff and it doesn't fit. It fit, you know, yeah, but the last flight was an international one and they have bigger, you know, luggage space on top and you're know, a domestic flight and, and it just drives me crazy, you know, when people, I like, someone off the church come and say, pastor, please forgive me for I have sinned. I am one of those that takes, you know, oversize. I said, it's all good, but I'm glad the Lord convicted you, you know what about parents that, you know, the kid's five years old, you know, and they try and sneak them on like they're two, you know, like, because they go first. I'm like, your kid has facial hair, and you're saying they're two years old. I mean, what is wrong with you? I mean, come on, we're all going to get on. The plane's not going to leave until you're in your seat. So, you know, it used to stress me until I figured out, you know what's the best way to travel? Just put everything in luggage. Don't take on carry-on. Let everybody get on the plane and be the last person on, you know, because you don't need to worry about luggage. So I'm that guy that's always late now. So you used to give me an attitude, I, I'll give you an attitude. I'll be late, you know, it's all fun again. We all have attitudes, that's really the fact, this morning during our prayer time before the first service, we, the worship team and the, the prayer team and a bunch of people, we come together and pray for the service. And you know, I was, I was just like in this moment with God and someone on the side said, uh, man, you know what, you better pray for your warriors. And I was like, I don't need to, they won. They're God's team, it's all good. You know, and just like an attitude from a Celtics fan. I mean, I'm like, this is church. This is Sunday. I mean, it wasn't even a Suns fan. I mean, the Suns fan, you already moved on, right? You're in like your next season. It's, it's all good. Call those things that be not. Maybe, maybe there will be someday for you. I don't know, but I, I'm just excited for my worries. It's all good. But people have attitudes uh, everywhere. In fact, you know, one of the things that really bugs me sometimes, and I really have to check my heart, is when I have to wait in line, you know, at a restaurant or a coffee shop. You know, like we have to wait in line. In fact, I have a photo of Starbucks. Have you ever waited, waited in, a, in a line for, like he's trying to get your coffee and you're like, what's the holdup? What's the holdup? And the holdup is this person. This person is putting in their order. And this is real. This is no joke. This is someone that is ordering a venti caramel frappuccino, sub mocha, 2% milk, light ice, two vanilla bean powders, extra caramel drizzle, light, light on the mocha drizzle, chocolate powder, extra cinnamon powder, light nutmeg powder, extra vanilla, vanilla powder, add cinnamon dolce on the top, dark chocolate cool, extra whip and extra butterscotch topping. You need Jesus. (laughs) Ain't nobody got time to wait for your order. Mobile order it, get it done, drive through. I'm trying to get through here. I've got things and places to go. It just drives me crazy. I mean, I feel sorry for the person taking the order because they're like, could you say that again? Could you say that again? not even know what that drink tastes like. I'm actually tempted to go find out now <laughs> what it tastes like. But I'm gonna go on a quiet day. But you know, life, we all, we all have things that stir us up and work us up. That, that's life, it's just the way it is. But you know, God desires that we would have attitudes that represent Christ, right? Because I think one of the greatest ways you can show the world that you love Jesus is through your attitude. In fact, the Bible says we're in this earth, Christ follows Christians, we're in this earth, but we're not of this earth. That we are ambassadors of heaven and that our attitude should be a reflection of the God whom we love and the God whom we serve. We're going to look at a few things today. I want to give you four kind of truths I found when it comes to attitude. And then some quotes that I found from from some successful people, pastors, leaders, and that go with each one. The first one is this, truth number one, attitude is our choice. We choose our attitude. You get to choose it. This morning, some of you woke up, you you looked at the temperature on your phone, you had an attitude, and then you had to really pray and wrestle to come to church, right? I went, you're so spiritual. I wrestled this morning. I woke up and I'm like, Lord, do I want to go to church or not? And he's like, you have to preach. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Some of you stayed home and watched online today. We love you. We love you. We ain't mad at you. We're just glad you logged in for church. We're missing you today. We got a few empty seats. We love you. But it's the reality, we all sometimes have choice and attitude is a choice. Zig Ziglar says this, you cannot tailor make the situations in life, but what can you do? You can't tailor make the attitude to fit those situations. You choose your attitude. Life will throw you sometimes curve balls. In fact, the second truth about attitude is this, is attitudes are not caused by people or circumstances. You allow people or circumstances to shape your attitude or your response, the reality is you choose your situation. In fact, Joyce Myers uh, says this. She says, "Um, I'm only gonna stand before God and give an account for my life, not for somebody else's life. If I have a bad attitude, then I need to say there's no point in me blaming you for what's wrong in my life. I love that. Sometimes we'll blame. Well, the reason I have this attitude is my spouse. The reason I have this attitude is my kid. The reason I have this attitude is I grew up in that neighborhood. And we can let all these things shape us. You know, the reality in life is hurt people hurt people. That's what they do. But you get to choose the attitude that you're gonna have in life. You're gonna choose the the posture of your, your mind, the frame of reference, the heart attitude, and whether you'll react or respond. It's your choice. We choose our attitudes. Our attitudes are not shaped by people or circumstances. It's shaped by what we believe and what we choose. Happiness is a chosen, number three, is a chosen attitude. It's not a state of being. You know, I like that. Daniel in the lion's den. He chose his attitude. Joseph in a prison cell chose his attitude. Throughout scripture, we see people who chose their attitude. They chose to be happy in the midst of, of going through different things. Charles R. Swindoll says this, we cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude can't. you can try your best to change people and influence them, but they're going to respond the way they respond. The only thing you can choose is your attitude and how you're going to respond back to them and to others in this world. And point number four, God rewards good attitudes and disciplines bad attitudes. I like the quote by Zig Ziglar, your attitude, your attitude, not your aptitude, determines your altitude. You know, James 4, chapter 4, verse 6 it says this it says that god he oh, god literally oh, oh, resists in a sense in fact if we can put that in James chapter 4 verse 6 it says god opposes the proud but shows what favor To the humble, I like that. When you come to God with the right attitude, when you're doing life in that humility, in that posture of God, my life is yours and I wanna please you, my life's about pleasing you and there's that humility in you, what does God do? He pours out favor in your life. But when you've got the wrong attitudes and you're stubborn and you're selfish and you're prideful and it's all about you, what does the Bible say? God opposes you, he resists you. God blesses good attitudes. I want to today look at a great passage in Ephesians chapter four, verse 17, and there's quite a few verses I'm going to read uh, that are important, because Paul's talking about this new life, this, this life of following Jesus Christ, and the attitudes that we're meant to have as we go through, the posture, the way we live and how we show Jesus to different people. And so let's jump in today Ephesians chapter four and uh, verse 17. And so i tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And then Paul starts here by writing and saying, come on, you used to be like a Gentile away from God, doing your own thing. Your heart was hardened to God. You were selfish. You were living in sin. You were doing all kinds of things and he says you're not i don't god doesn't want you to live that way anymore He says, having these people have lost all sensitivity and they have given themselves over to sensuality uh, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. He says, these these, these people that are apart from God, their hearts are so hardened, they've lost sensitivity to what God is doing, even His presence, and they're living for themselves. They're they're self-centered, they're selfish. They're all about greed and impurity and anything that will please the flesh. That, however, verse 20, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Paul says, hey, that's not what you've been called to. You're following Jesus, and, and you're choosing to take this pathway, and so it's time for you to walk out. Not just hear the things of Jesus, you need to walk out. It's a new way of life. You were taught with regard to the former way, the, the old you, to, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. He says there's nothing good in the old you. There's nothing good in the flesh. It's deceitful, it's, it's wicked. And, and he says, you gotta put that off To do what? To be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He's beginning to say here, come on, you you need to put off the old you, put on the new you that is who? The new you is created to be like Jesus. It says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Very important here. Paul's writing about relational conflict. And he says, you know what? We're gonna go through relational conflict and there's times to be angry, but don't let your anger lead to sin. In fact, they're writing, yes, well, don't let the sun go down. Why, what does that mean? Well, in, in, to the Jews, the start of a new day is when the sun goes down. For us, it's when the sun rises. And so literally Paul's writing, he says, do not let unforgiveness or brokenness or sin or relational conflict, don't sit with it into the new day. Deal with it. Because he says, why? Because if you don't do it, you know what happens is you're given the devil a foothold. You know, I, I remember this, uh, learning this in, in Bible college and, and I remember a time Cindy and I, we, we'd probably been married a couple of months and, and man, we got into it one night. You know, when you get past the honeymoon phase? And you get into it. And man, we just got into it. And I'm like, you're wrong, I'm right, God loves me more than you. <laughs> and we just got into it. And I was just like, you need to say sorry. And she's like, you need to say sorry. And we just went to it and we knew the, don't let the sun go down. Like, you know what I mean, just deal with this thing. And so, man, we went at it and we, you know, I went to pray and she went to pray and we just came to the point. And finally, you know, it's amazing. We both came to the realization that we were wrong and only Jesus is right. And we humbled us up. we said sorry, and uh, we went to bed and fell asleep, it was easy. And now, further in life, we just realized, you know what, none of us are perfect, only Jesus is. And so, you know, we're not now, we've been married 23 years, it's fun. We don't really get into it. We just look at each other, we give the look, you know the look, and then we say, I love you, because Jesus loves you and uh, I do love you and uh, let's forgive each other Amen. and we just move. We don't have hours of fighting anymore. We, we just deal with conflict like, hey, you know what? None of us are perfect, only Jesus is. The more we love Jesus, the more we love each other and so let's just, why do we have to spend hours fighting? You know, choose the right attitude. I love that. And it says, anyone, verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Come on, there's a change in your life but must work doing something useful with their hands. And that they may what? They may have something to share with those in need. And he's writing here saying, come on, the old you was selfish. The old you was all about you. Gimme, give gimme, give my name is Jimmy. You were a taker. You take people's time. You will take their treasures. You will take their talents to make you better. And he says, no, 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 no. That's the old you. Put on the new you. And the new, new, new you is what? The new you is like, use your hands to build others up. You turn your life around from taking to being generous. That's why I love what we did with that family in Mexico. Through generosity, through releasing our finances, we are blessing others and pulling them up, not just ourselves, we're pulling others up. Do not let, verse 29, unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. He's like, come on, get rid of that old you that always wants to tear people down and speak negative and talk them down. No, turn around, the new you, lift others up. There's death and power in the life of the tongue. So to speak life into others. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Paul's writing here and saying, hey, listen, you know what? you got to choose the right attitudes in life. Get rid of these selfish attitudes. Get rid of that, 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 those words that tear others down. And don't be a taker, be a, be a giver. And, and he says, let there be a transformation in your life. Why? Because Christ forgave you. He paid the price for your sins. And, and he says, don't go back to the old way of living. Don't go back to the hardened heart apart from God. No, you have learned the way of life in Christ Jesus. Now follow him. Two, two verses in this passage I want to focus on today is, if you take a note, is verse 23 and verse 24. Because in in verse 23, he's writing about the the renewing of a mind. In in fact, he says, uh, be made new in the attitude of the mind. Some translations say, be renewed in your mind. If you go study the Greek terminology for that phrase, it's literally present tense. It's present tense saying that you and I need to continually be renewed or growing in the attitude of our mind and our heart. It's a continual daily walking. It's not just when you come to Jesus, you've arrived. He says, there's a continual process every day being renewed." Now that's why Romans chapter 12 says, "Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and your heart. Be transformed. Be changing. It's so interesting yeah, that he's writing about this, this, this renewing that we're to go through. And then verse 24, is interesting because he says, put on the new man. Very interesting, put on the new man. So when I wanna illustrate these two verses today and I'm hoping this illustration is really gonna speak to you about this renewing, about this attitude. You see, and you all wondered why I had two jackets. Let's pretend this black jacket represents the old me. The old me was, it's all about Charlton. I'm the king of the castle. It was about me building me. It was the sinful me. I didn't care about people. I lived for myself. It was the old sinner, the old man. And and so this old man came to a realization. I was age 13 where I realized that I was a sinner. I'd done some stupid things and, and I knew when the God preached about being a sinner and, and that the Romans chapter 6, 23 says the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I realized in my life I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't have this Jesus. And so there was no ways for my sins to be. All the sin that was in my life and the, the pride and the arrogance, the brokenness, there was no way for that to be removed it didn't matter how spiritual I was it didn't matter how religious I was it didn't matter if I went to church there was only one way for the old me to be forgiven for the old me to be the price of the sin of the old me to be paid for and that was through Jesus you see Jesus went to the cross for me he took my place because the penalty for my sin selfishness the wickedness of my heart the penalty was death and the word death means mean separation from God for eternity there was nothing I could do, no matter how good I was, didn't matter. We've all missed the mark of God. So what, Jesus, what God did is he sent his son Jesus because he loved me so much and Jesus went to the cross and he took all my sin, he took all my shame, all the penalty that, that I have against my name Jesus said, give it to me, I will pay the price for it. And he went to the cross and he died. He paid the price for for my sins. And then the third day he rose. And so that's why with water baptism, when we had 26 people water baptized, what were they doing? They were literally saying to all of us, look, I am now showing you, declaring to you that I have laid down the old man. He's buried with Christ. And I have, as I come out the water, they're declaring that what? I am a new creation. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it's so great. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. I like that. A new creation has come. The old has gone, the old has gone, and the new is here. I like that because it says, he didn't, he says a new creation. That means totally different because my flesh was living one way, my spirit man now, the God side of me is alive and he is a new creation. And my spirit man wants to please God and my flesh wants to please itself. But my hand is in Jesus and I'm doing life with him and he's, he's beginning to show me. Now, I want you to catch this verse 23, verse 24. Verse 23 says, we're in this process of continually being Renewed. Putting on this attitude, renewing our minds to be more like Jesus Christ. Verse 24, he says what? Put on the new man. If you can study the Greek of verse 24, it's literally saying this. It's saying being renewed in the understanding of the new man. Let me help, let me me illustrate this for you. You You're gonna catch it in a second. See, this is what so many Christians do. We come to Jesus and then we, we, we think renewing of the mind is renovating or fixing the old. Renewing of your mind is not fixing the old. Renewing of your mind, as verse 24 says, it's putting on the new you in Christ Jesus. And now the renewing of my mind is when I allow the Holy Spirit to begin to show me who I am in Christ Jesus. You see the devil, come on, that's good. Come on online, you can do the clappy emoji right there online. You see, the devil doesn't care that you're going to heaven. All he cares about is you understanding that you are a new creation and you beginning to live and function and pray like and declare what the Word of God says because now you're a child of God. The old is gone, the new has come. He doesn't want you to live like a new creation. He wants to come and say, hey, let me drag you down. You're gonna go to heaven, but let let me drag you down to thinking and trying to fix the old you. See, you're a new creation, but you're living like the old you. No, you can't fix the old you. It's broken, it is buried, it is dead, just leave it alone. Don't put any energy on it. Renew your mind in understanding what? Renewing of the mind is understanding who I am now as a child of God. You see, the more you begin to understand who you are as a child of God, the more you begin to discover and to live out the promises of God, the attitudes of Christ. You see, you're not looking back at the old you. That's not me anymore. I spoke to someone after the first service that said, you know what, I was having coffee with my, my mom and she was, I hadn't seen her in a while. My mom was telling her, ah, oh, remember that day where you did that? And she said, mom, you need to stop. That's the old me. That ain't me anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm being renewed in what? My renewing is not trying to change that. My renewing is un- trying to understand who I am now in Christ Jesus. So how do I renew? How do I come to that place? I want to give you two things. Number one, you got to nourish the good. you got to nourish the good. If I'm going to renew my mind and begin to understand, if I'm going to put on the new man, if I'm going to have this mind that is fixed on Christ Jesus and and put on this mind and begin to, I need to nourish, I need to build up. Who I am in Christ Jesus. Well, how do I do that? Last week, I spoke to thee about the importance of framing your world with the Word of God. You see, when I begin to open up the Word of God, now the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in your life. What is He going to do? He's the paracletos or the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. Well, what does He do? Jesus said, He's going he's to teach. He's the comforter. He's going to teach you what? What is He trying to teach me? He's trying to teach me who I am as the new creation. He, he's trying to show me that I begin to understand. You see, when you, when you read in the book of Peter, you, uh, you're a chosen generation, a uh, royal priesthood, set apart for good things. You read that and you quote it and you're like, but you know what? You don't believe it. Why don't you believe it? Because you're thinking still with an old mentality. But when you begin to read this and say, I I am chosen. Why? He chose me when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. He loved me so much. I didn't choose him. He chose me. And, and I'm royalty, why? Because I'm a good person? No, because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, he made, he adopted me into the family of God. We just took communion. We spoke about the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. God did it. He made me royalty. Do Can I earn it and deserve it? No, he just says, receive it. What am I doing? I'm nourishing myself in the Word of God. That's why you've got to be feeding yourself. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the Word of God. Why am I need to be in the Word of God? Because it is changing my attitude. It is changing the way I respond. It is changing the way I believe things because I want to live as the new creation. I don't want to go back to that old me. Don't want that. Old me's been buried. I've got to nourish it. Another way you nourish and build up this, this revelation of who I am in Christ and this, this attitude, the way I'm going to do life, the way second I'm going to do is prayer. We spoke about that a few weeks ago. The importance of resting in prayer, that now I'm praying to God, I'm talking to Him. I don't come to God and, oh God, I'm so sorry for that sin I did 20 years ago. And you, know, God, you know what God's response is? I already really believe this. God's response is, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says God removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. He has removed our transgressions. He's like, what are you talking about? Because when I look down at you, you know what I see? I see the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't see sin, I see the blood of Jesus Christ. But the devil's like, oh, you're a sinner. How can you pray to God? You're not good enough. I know your secrets. Listen, we all, none of us are perfect. When we get to heaven, that's when we're gonna be perfect. But while we're on earth, we still have a flesh, but I'm choosing not to focus on my flesh and the old me. I'm nourishing the new me in Christ Jesus. I'm changing the way I speak. I'm changing the way I pray. I'm changing the way I read the Word of God. Another way to nourish yourself is get around the right people. That's why we want you at Mount Park Church to be in a community group. That's why we want you to go to a focus group like Marriage Mondays or I was with the Hope guys this week and it was so fun to be in with guys in the Hope group sharing about just their struggles, but not just their struggles, sharing about what God was doing, encouraging each other like we're gonna get through this. You gotta get some right people in your life. I was talking to a gentleman uh, Friday night who's coming to our church for about two and a half years and he was sharing about what he loves about Mountain Park Church is that he's in a Bible study with some guys and he's growing in a Bible study because you've got to get the right people around you that nourish who you are in Christ Jesus. Get around the right people. So nourish the good. Get, nourish this, God, I want to understand who I am in you. And that's why I need to be in the word. That's why I need to pray. That's why I need to come to church and get planted. That's why I need the right people in my life. And number two, the second thing is neglect the bad. You say, you know what, I just don't wanna go back. I just don't wanna go back to this old. I I, I don't wanna go back to that anymore. And so sometimes you know what that means is if you're sarcastic and you know I'm just very critical and sarcastic, then change the way you speak. Begin to choose to say, you know what, that's the old me. I'm gonna start to be kind with my words. Oh, I used to be angry and harsh, you know. As Paul said at the end there, I'm so glad that God forgave me of that anger and, and, and harshness and God help me now as a new creation. I'm choosing to be gentle with people. I'm choosing. Oh, I used to, man, I used to cuss and fuss the old me. I used to speak death all the time. But the new me, I'm speaking life over people. I'm encouraging, I'm I'm choosing. I, there's some things I'm I'm gonna neglect. I'm going to choose, and I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect, and there's always sometimes I want to go back to the old me, but I thank you today that I have the Holy Spirit. And you know what's so great? Paul writes in this Ephesians 4, and he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the ways that we grieve the Holy Spirit inside of us is when he says, don't go back to that. Don't get that attitude. Don't get that pattern, that behavior the old you. And we say, shh. I wanna go back to this. It's about me. No one loves me. No one cares me. We start to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't lose the Holy Spirit, but we silence Him. And what is the Holy Spirit trying to do? He's trying to teach us who we are in Christ Jesus. He's guiding us. He's comforting us. But I gotta neglect Those things that are drawing me down. Sometimes it's people. You know what? Some of the people in your life that you haven't seen for a while will show up and say, hey, man, come on, come on. I remember you. We used to party in the club. You know, we used to do the shots of tequila. Come on, come get down with your bad self again. (laughs) You're like, no, 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 no. I, I don't want to put on the old. Christ paid a great price for my freedom. And I'm not giving that freedom up for that anymore. Because when I that, I remember that. That's when I was in prison of addiction. That's when I was in the prison of lust. That's when I was in the prison of brokenness and the prison of abuse. And I was in the prison with the old me. But then Christ opened up the prison doors. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Yeah, I'm nourishing what He's done for me. He's already done it. I'm just needing to renew my mind to understand and see it and walk in it. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse seven says, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. I'm nourishing when I'm walking. Oh, well, you can't do that. Psst, I know you. Yep, I used to be that, but God is changing me. I'm getting better every day. I love this picture I saw of this dog. You might, I might relate for some of us today. If you could put that picture of the, the dog, and I love this. Holy cow, I'm Batman. <laughs> See, this? some of you as a Christian that it's time for you to stop looking at all the limitations and time for you to look at what God has done and said, you know what? I'm gonna glorify God for what he's done for my life. And because he did that all for me, he chose me. He pulled me out of that miry clay. I am his now. I'm gonna walk in that freedom. That's gonna be the attitude of my heart. I wanna close today with a story. And maybe you've never heard the story, and maybe you have. His name was Horatio Spafford. And if there was ever a man that could have an attitude of bitterness, anger, be mad at God, hate God, there could ever be a man that could probably have a reason to, Horatio Spafford. See, Horatio was married to a beautiful marriage. His wife, Anna. Horatio had four daughters and one son. He lived in Chicago and in 1870, he lost his only son to scarlet fever. In 1871, the great fire of Chicago hit, and he was a man that owned many properties, a wealthy man, and he lost so much to the great Chicago fire. Literally, the year after losing his son, he loses this fire and he loses most of his wealth. And then in 1873, two years later, the economic downturn happens and he's lost almost everything. He's got one or two properties. He decides in that season that maybe it's time for him and his family to move to Europe. So he buys tickets for the ship and they're getting ready to go. And a few days before he gets a, a notice that he's to be in a business meeting because there's zoning going on for some of the properties he still owned and that he couldn't go, he had to be in these meetings. So he said to his family, you guys sail ahead. Give me a couple of months and then I will join you in Europe. And so his wife and four daughters got on the ship, the SS Villa de Havre and he waved goodbye as they sailed off, moved on to his business meetings. Well, as his wife and daughters were sailing to Europe, the ship collided with another ship. his four daughters drowned. He received a wire, famous wire that said, from his wife, Anna, that said, saved alone. A couple of months later, he got on the ship to go sail to meet his wife. And kind of when they were in the region where his daughters drowned, the captain let him know we're kind of in this region he began to write a well-known hymn. This is a man who lost his only son, a man who's lost his wealth and fortunes, a man who lost his four daughters. Sense so a man that lost everything. Man that could have had the attitude or the posture of the, I'm mad at you, God. I don't want anything to do with you. Why'd this happen? He could have turned to so many things, alcohol, could have left his wife, he could have, so many attitudes. But he chose to write down a well-known hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're struggling with the old you. Maybe you're mad at God. Maybe you're worried about the economy and your portfolio. Maybe you're worried about the gas price recession. I, I don't know, there could be so many things right now that are shaping your attitude. Maybe there's conflict in your marriage right now. Maybe it's a disappointment over a kid, I, I don't know but I know that you get to choose your attitude. And maybe today the song of your heart needs to be, it is well with my soul. Maybe online, maybe, it's, maybe today it's your day to say, it is well with my soul. I've asked my wife to lead us in this song and you can sit, you can stand. This is between you and God. But my prayer today is that you would step into and be the new you. And to sing to your God to say, it is well with my soul. i mm. Let's, let's pray, let's pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today, no matter what season we're in, no, no matter what's going on around us, no matter the brokenness we see in relationships in our lives, the disappointments, the hurt, the pain, we can choose to sing, it is well with my soul. God, we're not alone. You are with us. God, I pray today that you would, Renew our minds and give us a greater revelation, a greater understanding of who we are in you. It's not about trying to fix the old, it's about living as the new. Thank you today, Jesus, that you paid the price for our sins. Thank you today that you have made us children of the living God. We can't sing, It Is Well With My Soul, because we have an anchor a rock for our lives. And His name is Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. We see you next Sunday, Father's Day. It's going to be amazing. Have a great day.